0: It's National Biodiversity Week in Ireland, and Thursday the 20th of May is World B Day. This year, it feels more important than ever to recognise the crisis the natural world faces. But I guess it will every year until we change course. We've talked bees before, but focused mainly on the honeybee, and the honeybee is only one of 99 species found in Ireland. As a beekeeper myself, you know I'm very much in favour of hives, but this year we thought it might be a good idea to visit somewhere that's trying to take a more all-encompassing approach to how we use the land, how we share it with our native pollinators, flowers and animals. So, we made our way all the way to South Wicklow to meet Paul Hendrick and his family who set up the Bee Sanctuary of Ireland. And you have to go down quite a bumpy lane to find them
1: we're in the middle of the countryside we're about an hour door to door from dundrum town center we're southwest wicklow i suppose we lived up in north wicklow and we decided we'd go and live in france when the kids were young at the time we decided we'd, we'd get out and go and find a place in the countryside in france and relax and we stopped along here on the way and it was for sale and uh, we just we couldn't we couldn't resist it. We, can't, we tried to resist it for about a year. We didn't. We kind of said, will we buy it, will we not? I don't come from a farming background, my wife does. And um, eventually we just had to, it was, there was so much biodiversity on it. It's just full of wildlife and we just, we just couldn't resist. We kind of wanted to save it because we were afraid if, if someone else bought it. It would go back into intensive farming and we, we didn't want that for us. So we jumped in and it's been, a, I suppose, a nearly 10 year journey now.
0: The bee sanctuary is a family affair.
2: Hi, my name is Joey. I'm 12 years old. When I come out the door, I can see flowers, trees, hills, bees, (laughs) loads. My name's Ellie and I'm 15 years old. The Bee Sanctuary of Ireland is 55 acres of habitat left to nature.
1: Why we became a bee sanctuary was we had some small amount of crops in the ground. We took the first holiday we'd had in years as a family and came back a week later, and the deer and the wildlife had been in and taken eaten everything we had in the ground. So I was sitting in a field surrounded by clover and bees all over it four years ago and just we knew the, we we knew the bees were in trouble and I just kind of clicked like why, why are they in trouble if we've got so many bees around in this field so we, we looked at it and we said just had this bad idea will, will we just instead of trying to farm the place and, and go down that route and try and keep nature will we just completely embrace it
2: it's different I like it I like being around the nature and my friends all live in the town so
3: they're quite close to everything but it's not as nice I don't think Hi, I'm Claire Louise from the Bee Sanctuary of Ireland. Well, I'm come from a farming background, so I've always been into nature and into land and out in the country, basically rural areas. I've never lived in a town. I wouldn't want to, to be honest. It's just a really nice vibe down here. We think birds singing constantly, and it's just wild. We just, I just love that. Personally, I prefer to be in the middle of nowhere and sitting in the fields and in a town surrounded by people. We do a lot of growing and stuff. I love growing vegetables, growing flowers. Obviously, they're for the bees, the flowers. You know, I grow them from seed, organic seed. It's basically about the bees, I suppose, our stock now. <laughs> My name's Meadow
4: and I'm seven. At the bottom of the field up there, there's the old tree that I really like. And Gem Elf walking up above it, in the tree, kind of, in the shade. And I go down there.
3: The nettles appear and suddenly... Within a week they're up like a foot or more it's kind of everything changes really quickly this time of year. Like all this was short a few weeks ago. And that'll grow up now to be you don't even really, go in there in the summer really. Nettles <laughs> are the <laughs> larval plant for peacock and small horseshoe butterflies. So you'll see all the little caterpillars on them now in a few weeks' time. Which are really important. So nettles are really important, wasn't they? Oh oh there, look.
4: This is my favourite tree. It's a willow tree. All yeah. but they have new no leaves. I like to just think and climb into the wall and see. I love trees because they can get really old but they keep growing, keep getting bigger and when they fall over and over through the time they keep growing. It's nice to be around trees.
5: Hi, I'm Ben, I'm the oldest. When we'd moved house a lot of times, time, so I was used to moving house, but it was definitely different coming up here. It's a lot more isolated, I guess. It's a lot further away from my friends, from town, from the shops and everything. But I would say it's, it's amazing being so surrounded by nature. It's really refreshing kind of nice just to be able to go outside and see nature all around you, hear the bees and the birds, and it's really nice compared to kind of more urban areas.
0: There are no hives here, but all you need to do is keep your eyes open to spot the bees. That's
3: a little bundle, I think. Is it, Paul? No glasses on. The worker.
1: Like a tiny That's a little worker.
3: So cool, the, the bumblebees, basically, the queen has a nest and they send out the workers. And the first workers can be really, really tiny because they need less food. And then the next lot of workers that come out can be bigger. I suppose as a kid I was brought up on a farm and we respected nature and we were surrounded by it. And it was brilliant and I loved it. And I try and do the same for my guys as well. I think it's really important. There's a lot of bumblebees. They're a lot bigger than
2: other bees and they're very furry and they look soft. And we always were trying to find the solitary bees because they have little holes and they're more difficult to find so we're like looking for them. The solitary bees are smaller. A lot smaller. They live in little holes in like the ground or banks and stuff. And we did have I think it was leaf cutter bee. There's a the wooden bench over by the lake there and they were living in there. My parents have a video of them carrying leaves around. Really cool to see.
1: They go off, cut a small circle off a leaf of a tree and they bring it back. Carry fly back with it. Then you usually rest on the bench before they go into the nest with it. And then they go in. They make little um, individual pods for each of their their young to leave, to leave the young into to develop in the nest.
3: That's an ashy mining bee. They're really cool little bees, actually. Oh, I'm gone. The black with a little bit of white. We're watching him he might land. They're just really nice little mining bees. They love the dandelions. <laughs> see them all over them at the moment
4: leave the dandelion, what did they ever do to you?
0: So, what should people do if they want to encourage and help solitary bees?
1: A lot of people will put up bee hotels what we found, we had a small area behind the house where we had to dig out for a a pipe last year and we never got to fill it back in so we just left the rubble there and this year we noticed it's just completely full of mining bees, little holes so they basically burrow in and create a nest and they're a they're solitary bees so they, they don't hang out together I suppose they're, they're very individual they're usually on the wing visible for up to about eight weeks but sometimes shorter um, usually from uh, March until June and then they spend the rest of the time in, in the nest so basically they, they develop what they do is the, the male and the female will mate the female builds the nest leaves the individual bees in a, in a little pod with a little bit of food to keep them going and then they develop in the pod, and then they, they, they overwinter, and they come out the following spring for a couple, couple of weeks. So they're, they're only really visible for a matter of weeks a year. We have honeybees that come in if someone has a hive over near Tinahely, and especially when we had the mustard and the buckwheat, and they were overfurred, But you'll see them around the gorse as well. Bumblebees. You've got your white tail, your buff tail, common carter red tail, garden, and the early bumblebee. They're, they're the, the more common ones that you see here.
3: We don't count them or do anything like that. We just know they're here.
1: We, we see the increase year on year in, yeah. in, in, in the numbers, and we do notice the difference in, in like the, the solitary bees. There's more, more around, more, more species. When you're living in it, when, when you're among it all the time, you just you notice it naturally. You don't, we don't, I mean, we don't get into that. I'm just happy to know they're around. I don't, don't need to know necessarily what everything even is. It's just to experience it and be around. It. The
0: family has been working on the sanctuary for about ten years now.
5: I think over the ten years, it's definitely grown more. We've given it back to nature a lot more than it was. It was already very wild, but. Since we've come, we've given it back even more to nature, and we've definitely noticed the increase in bees and insects and birds. I'm playing football in the summer with my brother, and I hear a woodpecker, and then next minute I hear it, there's a red kite flying over our heads. It's, it's amazing, really. Listen,
3: it's nice that you the woodpecker. to go. They returned to Ireland, oh gosh, maybe 20 years ago, I think, 15, 20 think the years spot, ago. Yeah. The great spotted woodpecker. They started off in No Wood, which is literally just a couple of miles that way there. So they're, they're spreading around Ireland now. There's different areas where they are spreading too. There's way
2: more like, flowers and stuff than used to be. And it's more wild. It's like messy, but it's nice because you get to see all the animals, the flowers and the wildlife.
0: The setting of the bee sanctuary is idyllic. From the top of the hill, you see native Irish woodland below you. Huge hedgerows, border the fields, sowed with organic flower seed. It would be hard to pick a favourite spot,
5: but if you had to pick... My favourite spot is probably down by the lake. I think in the summer, it's beautiful. You can hear all the insects and it's really peaceful and quiet. It's just a lovely place to go.
1: I think this would be my favourite spot in the whole place. This is where I'd, I'd kind of come to, to, to disappear. The smaller of the, well, the ponds, I suppose, the light on it for some reason hits it and with the trees around it, it's kind of very sheltered. When you come down here during the summer and it's literally just dragonflies and damselflies, butterflies, you would be walking across and there'll just be a carpet of moths will come up in front, in front of you and it's just, it's just incredible. It's, you, you get used to it and then you realise when, when you have someone down they kind of look and they go, what's that? And go, oh, we just take that for granted now, you know. And where Our messing we put out is this, this could be everywhere. I mean, you can create this if you go into a field, dig that out and dig a pond out. Ten years from now, this is what you'll have. You know, the trees mightn't be as as big as the trees we're here at, but this could be replicated all over the place. There's 12 acres here of wetland habitat.
2: There's always dragonflies down around here when it rains. And we go out on the boat and we sit in the middle of and it's really nice. There was loads of frogs spawn on the ponds. It was mad. There was like millions of tadpoles. They get their back legs and they turn into tiny little frogs. There's always like thousands of them hopping around. And then later on, we find the big frogs under rocks in the plants and everything around the ponds. They just hide around the wetland around the different ponds. When I was like six in a previous house, there was like a kind of wild area at the bottom. Not as big as this, but I found a frog and we named it Hilarious. Just seemed like the best name for a frog. When we moved here, we put it in a bucket and brought it up and let it free here. Somewhere in the middle of this lake is potentially a frog called Hilarious.
0: (laughs) Wetlands, whether a tiny pond you build in your garden or a larger lake you dig on your farm, offer a massive opportunity for life to flourish.
3: We have lizards, common newts, the red squirrel came back, which is brilliant. We've had the grey squirrel since we were up here, but the red squirrel in the last year has come back as well two ran across the garden there recently I was looking out the window and two of them ran across the garden so it's just brilliant you know things do come back
1: sometimes I love to go out to the, the clothesline to hang out washing and say back in 10 minutes and I'll, I'll start following a butterfly or something I've seen flying and I'll come back in like, like Winnie the Pooh <laughs> three hours later bruised and battered after walking through brambles just a responsibility to kind of say And we can have this all over we can do this and we can we need to find a model that works
2: sometimes like baby foxes around I like the rabbits Last summer there was two rabbits I kept. Every time i go on a walk, I'd see them up around the middle field and the far one. It was really nice. They always run around or something. And we made me
4: we're out and we we're looking for an insect, and we found this centipede and we named it Apple. And then after two the or three days, we let it go again. In the spring, we
2: always find loads of caterpillars, don't we? Bright green ones and the hairy ones. And a few years ago, we found ones that were literally the size of my finger. They were huge. I think they were from moths. It feels
4: weird, and even when you put it back down again, you can still kind of feel it crawling around. You.
0: One way they differ from our National Pollinator Plan is that Paul and Claire Louise actively plant organic native wildflowers.
3: Sorry, just a second. Ha! Ha! So the last week we've been trying to keep the crows off the fields just because they're taking the seed on us. So we've just reseeded this this particular field here. It's nearly eight acres. And it's in a bee meadow mix, so there'll be lots of different flowers that'll start growing. They're actually already germinating since they only went in on Friday, which was brilliant. There's phacelia, mustard, mallow, sunflowers, fodder radish, there's marigold, fennel. It's a bee meadow mix, basically an annual mix. So what happens is it comes up and it'll flower basically until October so the different flowers flower at different times so you'll have a long succession of flowers which is really important for bees and then we'll leave the seed heads and the flowers there for the winter and then the birds will feed on that for the winter so we've seen a real increase of birds since we've actually started doing this for the last number of years so we've basically got bird food as well so most people ask, oh when you're going to harvest what are you going to do with the seed but we say we'll, we just leave it for the bees and then for the birds, which is just brilliant, you know.
1: I think the most important thing with forage is it's there when the bees need it from February right through till October. So it, you have one flower, only flowers for a certain period. But it's important that we have flowers, that the succession that goes all through. So there's just food available to all, all the time. Personally, I love the thistle. I love seeing them, especially later in the season you see the bees just literally sitting on the thistle, they sleep on it That's amazing, and like I say, thistle seen as a noxious weed but it's, it's, so, it's so good We don't all have a farm
0: but say I'm a kid who wants to help where should I start?
3: Get your parents to buy a packet of organic flower seed you go out right into the garden you pull back this grass to expose a little bit of soil and you put the seeds in keep an eye on the birds, they don't eat them on you and you water them and you look after them and next thing you'll have flowers and you'll have bees and insects on them that summer it's as simple as that. If you have a plant pot, you put a bit of soil in it or get some peat-free compost and do a plant pot with some seed. It's so easy. Sunflowers are brilliant. Our guys always love growing sunflowers. Really, really easy. And the bees just absolutely love sunflowers. And it's so easy, just like that. I like to plant. You make a little holes
4: with your fingers and then you should put the seed in and then cover the one but don't have to be buried. I do have to be buried in the other one. And then you water them here. Feel really nice to see them growing. I like lavender because it looks really nice and it smells really nice and stuff.
3: There's a bumblebee there Look beside you. How's it go we don't put anything, as I said, that'll spread down to the wild areas because you don't want to introduce anything into your wild areas. So this is just stuff that's just here itself and coming back. Like I think what's happening is the deer are walking through and making hoof prints and then the flowers will land on that because if, if a seed lands on the grass here, it won't grow because it has to get to the soil. Whereas if the deer are walking through they're creating little pathways and little pockets and holes in the ground and that's where the seed will then grow and come on.
0: The Bee Sanctuary has a purpose, and it was started because they listened to the science and saw that our climate was going in the wrong direction. It's almost nicer and easier not to know.
1: We're talking about nature, but nature is climate. It's a different space you're in if you don't know, because when you know and when you realise what's actually going on, it's very hard to ignore it. It's very hard to be that flippant about and say, oh, well, listen, I mean, it's all over media now. It's not like it's hidden. You put climate and you put our, our, what's happening with, with, with nature. You don't have to go to the 10th page on the newspapers. on page one, page two. It's on the, the search on Google. So if you choose to ignore it, you choose to ignore it. But I always laugh at people, they want the best for their kids, they want the kids to go to the best schools, and they want the best for them, they'll, they'll fight for their kids. This is the big fight. This is the one we really need to be taking notice of. This is the one we really need to be fighting. And we need people to realise that. i meet school friends I haven't seen in years, they ask oh, me what I'm doing, and they explain, they go, oh, you're very brave. And I heard someone in an interview recently say, brave is when you're scared of something. We're not scared of anything here, we're, we're, we're just trying to get, get changed, we're trying to get people to realise, we're trying to educate, we're trying to make sure that there's a, a future
5: for our kids. We're supposed to want a future that our kids can thrive in, but like at the moment we'd settle for a future that our kids can exist in. I think we need to do it because if we don't do it, bees are going extinct, there's other species going extinct. We need to help nature because nature's always helped us. For years and years we've just taken from nature, we've taken, 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 and we need to start giving back, otherwise it's going to go too far. I hope it's going to become more wild and let the kind of parks and farmers will do what we're doing here and give back to nature and everything will become a bit more wild and nature friendly. Hopefully my parents can help make it happen, what
0: we're doing here. This month, Biodiversity Ireland is trying to focus on farmers that are working to preserve and improve their land for nature. But pressures in production often requires them to remove some of the vital building blocks for driving biodiversity.
3: If you look at our ditches here, People don't have hedgerows and ditches this wide because it's, they'd call that a waste of land because they want to get to every little inch of land has to be used, it's intensive and has to be used for either growing crops for cattle or for cattle. What we're doing here is you can listen, you can hear the birds around the place because they've got somewhere to go, they've got security, they've got habitat and then they've got feed as well which is really, really important. It's very simple to be honest you know we're seeing here on the ground the difference it's actually making providing habitat is important they need somewhere to nest we have quite a large flock of long-tailed tits now i'd never seen them till we came here they're not rare birds or anything but i just had never seen them in ireland before really pretty little birds but you watch them going around the edges they'll never fly across the field some of the other birds will fly across they're quite happy to do that but these in particular just fly around the edges so if we didn't have ditches And trees along the fields, they wouldn't get from one side to the other. You take your hedges out and you put fences in, so you can get your land right to the edge. You're going to lose things like that. You know, it's 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 very simple, really. The buzzard going by now. See him? Do you hear that? See it?
0: What the Bee Sanctuary are doing is separate from the pollinator plan. It currently doesn't have any backing, but it hasn't stopped Paul and Claire Louise from starting something
1: themselves. We came up with an initiative we've launched called the National Meadowland where we're trying to inspire change across the country. We have 55 acres here. For, for, to put that in context for anyone who doesn't know, it's the size of 31 football pitches. We can inspire and we can try and get people to change from this and through social media, but realistically we need more projects like this, we need more land like this throughout the country. So we, what we came up with the National Meadowland is we're asking farmers to put 2% of their land. Back to traditional species-rich wildflower meadows, and there, there's not a lot of effort in that. And it's your, it's your weaker land, it's your less fertile land, that's great for it. And that, that'd be one in 50 acres. And if we could get farmers across the country to do that, there's studies been done in the UK where th- it indicates that the bees would start recovering, not just that it would halt the decline, but they, would, they could start recovering within five years because they, they need that habitat, they need flowers, they need, they need safety. And if we can we can give them those meadows throughout the country and link them up. We're trying to get ask farmers to do it voluntarily at first. And hopefully down the line we might be able to get businesses, our money from Europe to, for, for payments for these. But the, the idea is to keep it really simple. Give a little bit of your farm back to nature and just, just watch what happens. And and I think farmers will, if, if they do this and the, they're on the ground, they, they'll, see, they'll see the changes themselves. We just kind of launched it on our social media and immediately we had about 20, 25 people, farmers, people at Land got, got, got in touch. And we're, we're, we're talking about the moment and they're, they're, they're on board with it we'd love some support we'd love someone to come on board with this and and help us with it because there is an appetite for it there if you talk to a lot of farmers especially family farmers on the ground they're they're open to it they know what's going on they, they'll take a look at it and they, they will change i think there are a lot of good farmers there's a lot of good initiatives out there and we just think it would be nice to have something national like something that we could all be proud of that we could all take ownership of it even though it's based on farmland like we could be proud as a nation we've got a national meadowland that we're doing something really good and really big for nature but yet keeping it very very simple what
0: we grow or allow flourish in our gardens and on our farms can help, but it affects more than that.
3: That's the cuckoo flower. The orange is amazing, actually, because first flower opened about, I suppose, four weeks ago now, and the set following day I saw the orange tip butterfly appeared. So it's like they just time it. It's just, nature's amazing. Like even the bush, or the bush fetch is a really good one for a common carder b- bumblebee, and that opened in the yard, and again, the following day, the common carder was around. And they just, they time things, you know, and that's what's worrying about climate change and what's going to happen with timing and, you know, things start getting messed up. But the orange tip, it lays one egg on each flower because the caterpillars will actually eat each other. So if they lay lots of eggs, <laughs> they'll eat each other, basically. So that's why you'll see one little orange egg on the flowers. They're quite cool, actually, tiny little egg, and then the caterpillars will appear. The males have the orange-tipped wings, the females are just white.
5: When you give space back to nature, I think nature just thrives in it and it goes back to what it used to be before we kind of took over and destroyed it.
3: This is down by the, the, the big lake. So it was the main lake, basically. Little damselfly just flying by now. They're all coming out in the sun today, which is great. This is a large lake. We haven't touched this now in nearly 10 years. No grass cutting, nothing at all. Basically, just left it. All these trees have actually grown since we, we bought the place. They were very small at first. There's a little flower over here, Louseworth, which appeared two years ago. That's really spread now this year. We've um, lots of napweed, bed straw. That's all gorse there. You can see the gorse everywhere. But you hear about the, the fires that have been going on in Killarney and Donegal. That's basically clearing off gorse, which a lot of people give out about, but it, it does have a place and you'll have things nesting underneath it you'll have insects on it, you know, which is great and it it smells lovely and looks nice as well, we love it we have a lot of deer which eat everything basically so we're finding that trees will actually appear in the middle of the gorse and grow up through the gorse in places so that actually protects the trees as well from the deer because they can't get to, to certain trees we'd have kingfishers down here sometimes dippers, we've got more hens nesting sparrowhawks have nested the last two years every year we've had herons red kites now come by quite often buzzards are daily visitors usually We've kestrels, barn owl, we've heard the long-eared owls. We haven't seen them, but we've heard them. Foxes, we've had otters down here as well. We stood back and we were thrilled to see them, and then they ate all the fish. <laughs> and then the otters left, so the fish were gone, the otters left. But then they came back about two years later, and then we expect the fish have kind of recovered now, so I'd expect to see the otters possibly this year or next year again. They, they come when the fish are there. You don't get to see that really, you know, which is just really, really cool, actually. We've tree creepers, willow warblers, woodpeckers... We discovered a load of holes in the trees up there which was really cool. From the woodpeckers are drumming. Last year we had two around and this year we have two again. So maybe that they might nest, which would be great. That's a pheasant you'd hear there in the background with lots of pheasants.
0: Bees can seem scary, so we asked the kids why they weren't bothered by them.
2: So any of the females that sting I think the male bees don't have stingers. So just don't be scared, like no. if you just don't hurt them, they won't hurt you.
4: I normally just step back vacuum bit or something. And it's for
0: a minute. While we're used to thinking of bees in orderly hives, here the focus is
1: on our other bees. People, again, they think of bees, they usually think honeybees. Bumblebees will nest, there could be anything from 50 to up to around 400 in a bumblebee nest. And there'll be one queen, she'll start the nest in February, March, early spring. You see bumblebees flying low to the ground and they're kind of going all over the place and what they're doing is they're looking for a nest site. They'll find a nest, site, so the queen bee will lay some eggs. And now what she has to do at that stage is, like a chicken or a hen, she has to seal in her eggs to keep them warm. That's why it's very important to have early flowers and, and, and early forage for the bees, because she has to visit up to 6,000 flowers a, a day just to keep enough heat to, to maintain the nest and maintain the eggs. So the first batch will come out and they'll be female workers, and they start taking over all the different roles, they forage, and then she'll, she'll have further batches of eggs, and they'll, they'll, kind of, they'll nurse them and they'll, they'll look after them. And then later in the summer, she'll decide to have males and then she'll decide to, to lay eggs that will, will develop into queens. And what happens at the end of the summer is all the, the workers and the old queen die off, the males die off, and the new queens go into hibernation for the winter and come out and start it all over again the following year. So if you can save one queen bee in spring, you're saving a whole colony because if that queen doesn't survive, if something happens to her, that colony doesn't exist. It's important to know little things like that. People to see bee, oh, it might not be bothered going over, it's just a bee. But that, just saving that one bee saves a whole colony, a whole nest of bees. Well, that certainly sounds worthwhile.
0: Okay, hit us. Give us some of your top bee facts.
1: They can fly higher than Mount Everest. That's one of the facts they have. Is something I came across. They don't necessarily do it, but they're capable of flying higher, higher than Mount Everest. Bumblebees are capable of pollinating in space, which might be interesting for some people that are, that are thinking of heading that way, but um, honeybees can't. at about the same pressure, but the, but the bumblebees can't.
2: A bee's brain is the size of a sesame seed.
1: They leave a scent on the flowers because what happens when the next bee comes along, they'll they'll know if the flower's already been foraged, so it saves them time and energy to to go onto the flower, so there's a smell off it and they do defecate on flowers.
0: I love bees. So I like to think we all know why it's important
1: that we care for them. A lot of people there could give you different quotes on the amount of mouthfuls of food that you that you eat that that are are down to pollinators. But we like to kind of keep it really simple. Like it's if you like apples, you need you need pollinators, we need bees. I mean it, it's at the situation in China where they've got people climbing up trees and and, and pollinating the apples and they're talking about robot bees and talking, but when it comes to nature does it better than anything. You know, I, mean, I mean the bees have been around for 130 million years. I mean, putting it in context, but they were they're flying with the dinosaurs. And sadly, within a hundred years, we've, we've kind of we've driven them to the edge. We, we've we I mean, just one third of our bee species in this country are threatened with extinction. I think it's 40% of the figures for worldwide of our bee species are in trouble. I don't like doing lots of figures because people tend to switch off. But we've lost 50% of our insects since 1970. We're in trouble here and. It's trouble we've caused ourselves. The good news is we can't fix it, but it, we need people to realise we, that, well, first of all, that we're in trouble and we're in so much trouble and then, then they have to realise that what, what they need to do to fix it. And the majority of it is we've pushed nature. We talk about bees, but if we do the right thing for bees, we'll do the right thing for most of nature. I have people to kind of get in touch with me and say, well, what can I do? And I say, will I get a hive? And I go, no, get some wildflowers. Instead fun. of keeping honeybees, keep bumblebees, keep solitary bees. And people do it. And I had someone on from... From Bray to me, said, I let my guard go wild and had the dandelions this year, and she was like just amazed at what, and delighted with it. And that's the, that's the, that's the lovely little bit of behavioural change that we love.
0: One thing we learned while we were here at the bee sanctuary was nature can return. It can heal. But there's just not enough of us doing that work right now. The movement needs to grow.
1: We could sit here and talk to you and just show you bees and how beautiful the place is and come back in three weeks' time and you see the flowers and be inspired. And it's easy for us not to talk about climate and not to talk about getting real and not to talk about what's not happening, but then we're just letting it down because this is all beautiful, but we need to expand this. We need but to like it.
3: We we're seeing here on the ground that it is having a positive effect. Like I was saying to you about the birds. People say, oh, I've never seen a siskin, they've, they've gone from my garden. Yeah, well, they're, they're here because we're doing something. And what we're doing is simple. We're putting the flowers in, we're letting them grow, and then we're leaving the seeds for Un, the birds. And trees I mean, I we're leaving trees there. We're leaving the trees. We're not, we're not spraying, we're organic, so there's no need to spray anything. Like, we rented a house before we moved up here, and I remember watching the guy across the road from us walking along. with a little toddler behind him, and he was spraying his paving out the front. It's not necessary. People don't need to spray. To me, it's always been the lazy thing. Back years ago, when I used to pull weeds out, I'd be down on my hands and knees, and I'd pull them out that way. Now I just leave them. <laughs> yeah, great. There's another weed. Lovely.
1: You hear all the time is um, <laughs> leave a strip for nature, and what we do is we flip on its head and say, no, take a strip for yourself and leave the rest for nature. We've seen behavioural change within two or three hours. People standing down here, and the next window back to us, and taking photographs of bees and they're sending them to us because they've never noticed bees before. They're, they're letting bees out of the house instead of letting them die on the windowsill because they realise they're important. And they go, oh, we've rewilded half our suburban garden. And a year later they're going, oh my God, why didn't I do this years ago? Because they see the benefit. But there's
3: other simple things like put a plant pot in your garden. if you don't Or if you don't have a garden, put a plant pot of flowers at your door. Put a window box in. You don't need land. You don't need a big garden. You can do it without doing that. It's really simple. Organic or untreated seed. Really important. Native wildflowers. Or just garden flowers are, are great as well for bees, you know, simple, simple seed heads that are not your fussy big heads that are kind of bred just to look nice. Those little white flowers all around the place, those that stitchwort. There's always loads of insects on them. People would walk by and wouldn't even see them. They're lovely.
1: The majority of people are at their core, they're good. I mean they want the they want the best for, for their kids. They want a the future. But it's just it's just kind of getting to that core thing, listen, let's do this and let's all get together and do this and build community around it. And we can adapt. You know, we, we can adapt. We just we just need to know what we need to do. We, we need people to get closer to nature to realise what it really is. It really
0: felt like a privilege to have this haven for nature, because setting the natural world back on track isn't just good for bees and other pollinators, it's good for us all.
5: I talk to my friends and they just, their parents just like kind of ordinary, kind of boring jobs, and then when I tell them what my parents are doing, they're just like, in awe.
2: I think it's really good, <laughs> because they're looking out for us, trying to save the planet. I think it's brilliant. really like it. happy that somebody's i looking out for these. I'm worried about it because I don't know if we need other people to help.
5: I think young people are a lot more clued into what's going on. They notice what's happening, they see it, and they're not afraid to say it, they're not afraid to voice their opinions and put up what they think. I constantly see people putting up stuff about the destruction of nature and how climate change is going to affect everything, and I think that we just want to be listened to, we want the government to listen to us and to act.
2: Somebody needs to do it, and I think if one person does it, then other people are more likely to follow. It's saving the planet, so it is obviously worth doing. Ecolution.
0: Ecolution was produced by Nikki Cotton for RTE Junior Radio.